Hey everybody, and thank you for joining. My name is Melissa. I am broadcasting out of Southern Idaho, um, and I'm here to do the hard thing. Sunday, we had a guest uh, pastor from a church in Texas, and his message was to do the hard thing. Now, Terry and a few other people have said that uh, I need to have my own show, that I need to do my own podcast, and I looked at them like they were absolutely crazy. But it all boils down to the fact that there's fear, right? And it's and it's hard. And so, therefore, I decided I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm not doing a podcast. That's not meant for me. That's your thing. Um, and so, here I am. I'm doing the hard thing. As I was sitting here doing some homework, looking at some old files, I was trying to pull up um, something that I wrote. And that's kind of what I wanted to read on this first podcast. Um So a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a mother of three, moved from Chicago to Idaho um, with Terry three years ago. We're getting married in July. Um, God's just doing some amazing things in our life, and and we're just excited to see where he continues to take us as we are, you know, faithful to him and as we dive into his word. Um, But... I've been to a lot of places and I've seen a lot of things and I've done a lot of dumb stuff. And so therefore I have a story to share. Um, but for a long time, fear has set me in, uh, this past year, 2018, I, uh, went to a retreat with a ministry called celebrate recovery, um, from lighthouse Christian church in twin falls, where I used to be a member. Um, I am now a member of believers church. Um, we have We are one church with two campuses, one in Jerome and one in Twin Falls, Idaho. Um, But I I went to this retreat and my relationship with God just drew, uh, I'm sorry, grew dramatically. Um, And it's amazing to see where God's taking me. But I have a lot of stories and, and, and through Celebrate Recovery, God gave me confirmation that I was to go back to school. So I've written a lot of these papers and short paragraphs and different types of things that um, I think are pretty awesome to share. They're pretty raw and vivid, um, just real, true, raw emotion. And I never, you know, I never thought I was good with words. I don't think I'm good with speaking, right? But that's what what we put out and what we allow to come out of our mouth is kind of what we allow ourselves to, to do. And so I realized as I was going through school, that I can write. Um, and as much as people were telling me I'm so good with words, I guess I am. And I have to believe that. And so I wrote some really cool, um, different things with church. And, um, I even slipped out of my comfort zone and told my domestic, told a portion of my domestic violence testimony. Now guys, I'm a procrastinator sometimes. And I knew this domestic violence event was coming up and I completely did not write my testimony in time. And so the night before this event was going on at our city park here in Twin Falls, Idaho, I sat up and I wrote, I wrote, I wrote my testimony And so I couldn't decide what I wanted to share with you guys on this first one, but I figured go big or go home, right? The rest could follow. Um, And so what I'm going to do is go ahead and read what I wrote for this Voices Against Violence. Um, 
it was a candlelight vigil and we lit candles for all the people in our area that have been, um, that have passed away due to domestic violence, whether it be men or women. Um, and then they listed off the names of those individuals. And so that, like I said, this was a last minute thing. Um, and they didn't really have anything for the full portion of like the ceremony. So it was interesting where they told me to keep my story between two minutes. And I'm like, oh, it's, it was eight years of abuse. There's no way that I could do that. And so I looked at her and I said, I will try to go as fast as I can, but I fit eight years into like eight minutes. And, um, I just, there's no way for me to shorten it anymore. So I'm going to go ahead and get started, um, and read this. And maybe at some point I will tweak this and revisit it. Um, I have a feeling I'll do a lot more events with Voices Against Violence in our local area and work with women that have also gone through this. Um, But here we go. Sit down. Have a seat. Grab a tissue. This is doing a hard thing. This was recorded by a, a friend who I'm no longer friends with. And she shared it privately with on Facebook. But when we dis, when we became, um, I guess, disconnected, I don't have that anymore. And at some point when I was comfortable, I was going to share it. But I never had the chance to. So this is doing my hard thing right now. Would be putting it on podcast and then sharing it out for the whole world to see. So here we go. Fall. 2007. The physical abuse began. Emotional and mental abuse had started quite some time before, but I ignored all the red flags that were given. I was too far into my addiction with partying and my pride wouldn't allow me to go home. There was no way I would allow my racist father to be right about African Americans. I had to prove that there are good men out there and that people could change. Throughout the months, there were many times where I was beaten and manipulated into believing he truly loved me and would never do it again. November 2008, we found out we were expecting. May 2009, seven months pregnant, the cycle of physical abuse started back up. It was the first time he had put his hands on me during my pregnancy. He began to punch me in my face repeatedly until I fell to the ground, at which time he started stomping my face, kicked me in my stomach. The beating felt like it would never end. His entire family watched while I was helpless. If it wasn't for the neighbors, I don't know what my testimony would read. I love to say that I had the strength to leave after being hospitalized for two days with broken ribs, a black and blue face, while monitoring the baby, but I didn't. He continued to manipulate me through family and friends, writing letters from jail, and used the excuses that he was now walking with the Lord. He claimed he wanted to make things right for his son. I dropped the charges and I gave him another chance. Once my son was born, I decided that I needed to move out of the city and into the suburbs away from the drugs and gang life. I stayed with my mother for six months until I was able to get my own apartment. I was away from the abuse, slowly picking myself up and focusing on the only person that mattered, my son. I so badly wanted a family, and I wanted my son to grow up with his father and his life. I didn't want him to come from a broken home like I did. My parents' divorce took a toll on me as a child. I don't have all night to tell my testimony or share the details that 
will forever be engraved in my mind. So let's fast forward to December 31st of 2012. New Year's Eve, my world was flipped upside down again. I almost lost my children due to the selfish actions of my abuser. He had went down the hall and purchased drugs and then called the police to intentionally get our kids taken away. He said that if I wouldn't stay with him so he could be in his kid's life, he'd make sure that I wasn't able to be in theirs either. His plan failed and he was arrested that night. But the fear in my eyes and my heart was clear to see. I was afraid that my kids were going to be taken. By this time, my famous quote was, I'm not in love with you, but I have love for you. And only because he'd given me a son, which steered me away from the drugs and my beautiful daughter. Statistics said that the average for victims leaving their abuser was seven times. And sadly, I surpassed that by a long shot. Again, you would think that this this was the final straw and that I would finally put this relationship in the past, but that wasn't the case. A few months after he was released from jail, I fell extremely ill and had to have emergency surgery. I didn't have anyone to keep my children. My father traveled for a living and my mother worked a full-time job. I did what I thought was the only option. I called their father to take to take care of them while I was in the hospital for two weeks on on the terms that he left when I got out. You can guess it. That didn't happen, and he refused to leave. I didn't want to find myself in another crazy situation again or have my kids witness anything crazy, so I allowed him to stay on the terms of co-parenting only. (laughs) That didn't work. February 28, 2014, I refused to sleep with him. I refused to allow him to sleep in the same bed as me for far too long, he thought. And if I wasn't going to sleep with him, then he was going to show me who was boss. He climbed into the bed and tried to force me to sleep with him. My kids woke up due to the yelling, and I told him to just sleep in the room with the children, and I would go in the living room. He settled the kids, and before too long, in the pitch black, I could hear him charge towards me. He pushed me back in the recliner and began to choke me. The kids were screaming, and I know the Lord was with me that night. A neighbor I had never met or spoke with before had heard the situation and called the cops. Then she proceeded to pound on my door. If it wasn't for her and God that night, I'd probably be dead. What I learned through this is, listen to the red flags in the beginning. Don't ignore them. And follow your intuition. If you know someone is going through this, don't abandon them because they keep going back to their abuser. Many people abandoned me when I needed them the most. You may be that very person that helps save their life. Even if there isn't family support, there are places that can assist you. I thought I had to call my abuser back for help, but what I found out after, that there are foster programs that could have kept my kids until I was released from the hospital. I didn't know these things. I was young. I was misinformed, uninformed, and I had no support. This is why getting the word out there and supporting programs like like the one we have in our local community, Voices Against Violence, is important. Had I seen a place like this in the community I lived in, I might have been able to get out sooner. My children wouldn't have seen and gone through all the abuse that we have been through. 
staying with my abuser so long, trying to prove a point to my dad, trying to make sure that my kids had a quote unquote normal family only ended up hurting my children more. They still suffer till this day. The time that he was with them through vicious cycles wasn't quality time that was improving their life. It hurt them. It created bad hurts, hangups, and habits that each one of us are still working through. Please, please do not ask a victim of abuse why they stayed so long. Ask them how you can help them. Congratulate them for getting out, for seeking more, for realizing their worth. Reassure them that they are strong, worthy, loved, and can accomplish anything they set their minds to. For so long, we are told that we are worthless, that no one will ever love us, and we will never amount to anything, and that our voice doesn't matter. I thought I had put this behind me. I thought I had let it all go, but all I did was bury emotions from the abuse. For so long, I was ashamed of my past, fearful I would never reach my full potential, that I wasn't worthy of being loved, extreme guilt for what I allowed my kids to go through, and confused about my future. Those emotions and words were drilled into my head for far too many years, and it showed in my actions. (sighs) Sorry, guys. If it wasn't for my higher power leading me to celebrate recovery on Friday nights at Lighthouse Christian Church in Twin Falls, Idaho, if it wasn't for those people that listened to God's calling when they started Celebrate Recovery 12 years ago, if it wasn't for those people in Celebrate Recovery that are dedicated every single Friday night, no matter if if, if it's a holiday, if it's snowing or raining or absolutely gorgeous outside, if it wasn't for them, My family wouldn't be able to work on true healing from family dysfunction and abuse. Attending this program has given me strength to dig up the past so I could fully move on with my future. I have an amazing fiance who I will marry July 21st of 2019. Three beautiful children who are my world. I think it's safe to say I've proved my dad wrong, but the price I paid for that pride was costly over the years. A better life is possible, but you cannot heal in the same place where you were broken, where you were hurt, and you cannot fully heal if you bury your emotions. Seek help, a group of women or men who understand and can relate. Find a program and work it to your advantage. My name is Melissa. I'm not another statistic. I am greatly loved. I am beautiful. I am wanted. I am chosen, I am forgiven, and I am free. I am a survivor. A survivor that has been given the strength from God to share my testimony and memory of those who have lost their lives and the honor of those who have survived. I am a warrior. Thank you all for listening to my domestic violence testimony, which will become a part of my 
full life testimony that I will be giving at Lighthouse Christian Church for Celebrate Recovery on March 22nd. Again, I want to thank you all for listening. Go ahead and share this out. There's somebody out there that needs to hear this. There's somebody that needs to hear that they are worthy, that they are strong, that they can do it, and that there's people out there that are cheering them on to get out of the situations that they are currently in. God bless you guys.